0: The following is brought to you by The Social Suplex Podcast Network.
1: This is Great Match Generator. Welcome to Great Match Generator, the podcast where we both get great matches and see what made them great. I'm here with Greg Brown. How are you doing, Greg? Penn State got a win finally?
0: Yes, they did. Really happy to see that. Um, hopefully, it uh, gives us some momentum to win the last two games as well.
1: Yes. Um, and I'm here with, not Beast Mike this week, but with Matt Richards. He is the the forum moderator of the greatest match ever forum on the, on the greatest match ever forum. <laughs> is, is that basically it, Matt?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's what I do. Um, At least in the world of wrestling. Um, Yeah. It's good to be here.
1: Yes. And we have four matches, three different combinations because one of the matches, two of the matches are the same combination, but we have, Pirata Morgan versus Elf Faur- own from EML 1116, 1990. We have Jackie Sato versus Tomi Aoyama from All Japan Women, 1 1980. And then we have Randy Savage versus Teo Santana, two different iterations of it from 422, 1986 and 5 4, 1986. The 422, 86 one's from MSG and the 5 2, eighty-six ones from Maple Leaf Gardens. Where do we want to begin?
0: Uh I don't got a preference, but uh if we uh don't we normally go in chronological? So you want to start with the oh, women? Yeah
1: we do normally go in chronological order. Good with me. Um um, um, chronological order. Um, so let's go with Jackie Sato versus Tomi Aoyama. Um, first, um, what were your thoughts overall in this match?
3: Greg, gonna go first? Sure.
0: <clears throat> um, sure. Uh, so the, the, the first thing is, uh, 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 again, we talk about this with a lot of the Japanese matches is, uh, it's hard for me to tell who's who, but I did pick up this time. Um, it was a little harder because these two looked almost identical, (laughs) uh, (laughs) outside of their ring gear, uh, just physically. They were, uh, both extremely skinny, uh, and had the same haircut. Um, but, yeah, they were wearing different outfits, so I was able to tell them apart, and, uh, it was a really interesting match. I don't think I've really seen something like this. Um, it immediately caught my eye that these women were going at each other the way the men were, and this is all the way back in
2: 1980. Uh, yeah, yeah, so... I, I, go ahead. Um, yeah, I was just, just going to say... It was an echo that... The, I think the standout thing about this match is just the kind of intensity of it. Right. That, um, they really, um, they, they kind of hit the ground running and never slow down in this match. And there's, uh, I think a lot to appreciate within this match, but I do, I did also uh, like Greg, I'd never seen, um, Tomi Aami or how do you, how do you say that? Uh, I don't think I've ever seen her before. Um, I'd seen a few Jackie Sato matches, and yeah, they, if you weren't there for the entrances and you were just sort of watching them with their hair in their faces um, you'd fly around the ring, it would be very difficult to tell the difference between the two of them. Uh, but I thought that the, their physicality really matched each other really well.
1: I thought the legwork here was very good by Ariyama. Um, her legwork was very good in the match. It really complemented well with, with the selling as well.
2: Yeah, I I also took note that legwork early in the match was great. Um I did I think if you I don't have a ton of context for this match, but if you think about it sort of in its context, Sato is kind of in the middle of a second of three championship runs. Her first one was a couple years long, so she's kind of this say she's the ace of the company cuz I don't really know if she she was taking on that role at the time, but she was certainly a champion that was Seen as a as a championship level contender, championship level wrestler, um, kind of at the top of the hill. So that kind of legwork is great early on to give you a sense of danger for this challenger. Um, obviously the people in the context would know this challenger, but for out of context, at least that really helped me sort of see like, oh man, Eowama is the real deal. She's she's gonna give Sato a run for her money here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I thought the energy was very good in this match. I thought the crowd was at a fever pitch. Um, It was very interesting to see a lot of women in the crowd, too, with the shrieks.
0: <laughs> yeah, the crowd was one of the things I was definitely noticing. Um, Well, Danny knows that I tend to uh pay attention to a lot of stuff around the match, not as much the, the moves and whatnot. And yeah, the, the crowd was really fascinating. It it looked like, a, like you said, a lot of women, a lot of younger women, like schoolgirls almost. And they were reacting like they were watching a horror film. They were like recoiling. They were crying like uh, I'm not exactly sure who they were rooting for because uh, I don't know the background like uh, Matt does. But um, yeah, they, they were definitely reacting with a ton of emotion and it. it gave a lot to this match
2: yeah that's the thing i really love about uh about 80s joshi particularly is that i and i don't know why i don't know the dynamic of like why there are just like often these matches with like lots of young women who are responding as if it's their relatives out there fighting um but it's like in the the biggest and most intense um 80s joshi matches that i've seen you just get these white hot crowds of people who are invested in the in the best possible way i think it, it i think it adds a lot to the match and this would definitely benefit from that as well
1: yeah i agree and i also thought this match had a certain grittiness and um finesse that hasn't been seen since um with and in 80s joshi in general um Because I I, I just thought um, it had a finesse with, like, the early, like, sort of work with, like, the springboard and the dropkick into the gutbuster. That spot sort of made me shriek at the same time. At the same time, it had a grittiness to it as well.
2: Yeah, I love that spot. I, we we talked about a little um, before we we got on air, but I, I I absolutely love that spot. I immediately noted it as like this is probably the best
3: spot of the match, and it was relatively early.
1: Yeah,
0: I think one of my favorite spots was uh, later on when they did the the spin, because a it looked so much better than Cesaro's, and B. Uh, I think it was Jackie was uh taking it and she sold it perfectly with like grabbing her head uh too many times these days you see somebody take a swing and they just kind of lay there <laughs> they don't actually sell anything so I thought that
2: yeah to to that point um She like held her head like she was like all the blood was rushing to her head and it hurt, right? Like which would which is the idea of the move where I do think to Greg's point, like even now you'll see a lot of people like put their hands behind their head like they're like they're relaxing like it's a ride, Um, which I did think I never noticed that about modern people taking that big swing or big spin or whatever, whatever it's called until i saw this one and i was like oh man that's a really good way to take that move um and i think you know uh, another another spot that i really liked and i don't this has to have a name but where sato would just um whip Tomy off the ropes and then just fly and grab her hair and face and just slam her into the mat uh, as she flew around um yeah yeah, it's a It's a Sato move. Like, she does it in a lot of her matches. But here especially, I think she just laid it in. um, And it was just in the sweet spot where I think it really elevated the match. and uh, Or for me, at least, really elevated the the action on the whole.
1: And she, like, lays out and almost, like, almost, like, almost, like, chokes her with that move, too. With with the, uh, like... Whip, whips her and like pulls her down.
2: Yeah, and they're both that, so. Go oh, sorry. That 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 move is incredible. Yeah, they're both so tall and lanky that they stretch almost across the whole ring when they land.
1: <laughs> yeah, but well, overall, this match had an atmosphere around it that that was really good. I I like the double knockout finish.
0: Too. I was really confused by it. I, I Yeah, I I wrote a couple notes here. I was like, "Wait, did the ref just count to 10?" Um, I'm confused. The only symbols in this graphic I recognize are KO. Are they both knocked out? <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, I think I think it ends in a, a in a double KO. Um, I, you know, again, maybe I'm not exactly sure about that, but that's how I took it. That's how I interpreted the finish, and I was I was kind of okay with that, uh, given the given the match that they built.
1: Yeah, given the match that they built, it was it was very good. Um, overall, four and a half stars I gave it. Um, really, really good stuff. Really good stuff here. Um, Intensity. Yeah, Um, I
2: I went a little higher. I went uh, four and three-fourths. Just just a little lower, you know, maybe not, probably closer to four and a half than five, uh, if I'm being honest. But I really thought watching this in not just the context of the four matches that you had lined up for today, but I also watched it in the context of, two other sort of high-profile Jackie Sato matches from, from 1980, and I thought this was the best one of the lot by, by a pretty comfortable margin. Um, and so I, I give it the just under-elite marks, but this is really top-notch uh, 80s 80s Joshi to me.
3: Greg?
0: Um, I'm going lower with only a four, but that is honestly... Because of me, uh, <laughs> um, I didn't have all the context going in, so that uh, that kind of took things away uh, for me personally. But um, as a standalone match, it was still really, really good. So,
2: and, and also, you should know, I I'm like I'm a pretty generous star giver, <laughs> so uh, I, I'm probably even generous amongst like other people who would like. Have the context, so it's uh it's certainly uh don't nobody should nobody should sort of measure whether they're high or low or something based on my ratings. I'm I'm pretty pretty nice.
0: Fair um, enough. Yeah, I I don't know if I'm nice or not nice, but uh again I just I, I don't have that background, especially with stuff outside of the U.S. So um it just if if I don't have that context going in, it can take away from me.
4: Wanna get to these Randy Savage matches?
1: Um, Randy Savage, Tierra Santana both at similar time periods, um, both in the midst of a feud. Um four twenty-two eighty six and five I was wrong on the first date. It was five four eighty six from Maple Leaf Gardens. Um and this first match is four twenty two eighty six from from the um, MSG, and this MSG match was really interesting to me. Um, it, was, it was it was the first time really seeing Savage in a brawl type setting. You see him in these choreog- choreographed matches, and you're you're like, oh, this guy comes off like a star. You see him like it, with Warrior or with Steamboat, and you're like, man, this guy is a star, but But Steamboat comes off great. Obviously, with Warrior, Savage comes off as a better man in that match. But, but in this match, Savage feels like a star. He moves with such fluidity. He's he has a he has like almost like a bird looking for prey sense of urgency about him.
3: Um,
0: after watching both. My first question was, are you sure these are two different matches? Because, <laughs> um, yeah, we all yeah. know that, that Randy had the propensity to, uh, to choreograph out his matches ahead of time. But um, I, I counted, I think, six or seven spots that were identical, both in what they did and when they did them. Not to mention the entire ending is identical. Um, so that was just kind of weirding me out the whole time was how similar the two matches were, <clears throat> which does make sense, though, because um, they were only a few days apart.
1: But with that, a lot of these house show matches were worked around the country, around the around the loop where. These fans hadn't seen these matches
3: before. So and that's what I figured, yeah.
2: Yeah, so no, you get, here. like, you get... It was kind of nice to see it because it's two versions of the same match, as Greg said. Like, so not only are they on the same loop... Um, that you know there are probably lots of wrestlers and pairings that are having very similar matches um, on these shows and and sort of around this time period because they're doing they're doing their thing against, uh, in front of different audiences right they weren't performing for streaming YouTube audiences um, and then on top of that you have Savage's you know desire to have everything planned out in a very meticulous way so that's that's certainly what we're seeing here. Um, I still came away thinking the first one was a little bit better just for my taste. Um, I don't, I'm not really sure why except that maybe it feels just a little grittier. Uh, that it felt a little rougher around the edges where for whatever reason the, the 5-4 match felt just a touch more put together and polished. Um, but again, that might just be me imagining it. That might be the aesthetic, the camera work as much as the actual match itself. So, um, yeah, great. I mean, both of them were a great match, but it was very, very similar, uh, both they were very, very similar to one another. And uh, I think it was kind of a neat little, it was a neat little, like, I don't know, look at how wrestling worked at that time and how great matches can maybe feel not as great when they don't feel as unique. Because I, I I felt like I came away from watching the second one thinking less of both of them. A little, yeah.
0: I I totally get what you're saying, and I also agree about the the grittiness of the first one. <clears throat> um, couple things I wrote down here that I think gave it that feel. Uh, number one, the ref looked like a complete slob. Um, it, he was in like a stained shirt. Uh, With, like, this towel hanging off the back of him. And then in the second match, it was your classic WWF guy with the bow tie and everything. Um, So there were little things like that. I think the um, around the stage or the around the ring area was was grittier. And you had those old 80s, like, steel grates, like, as fencing to keep the fans away. It was, yeah, I think it was the whole arena just had that gritty feel like you said um
2: can somebody remind me did in the second one did they do the spot where savage comes off the top and takes the chair to the gut i know they did it in the first match and it was my favorite spot between the two but i didn't remember it happening in the second match i i don't
0: know about the chair to the gut i know they both opened with him going to the top and um taking a, a fist to the gut
2: uh, yeah, but the in the in the first match, there's sort of a, a turning point spot about maybe maybe two-thirds of the way through where Savage comes off the top to Thirds the outside. The well, uh, what was that? Sorry.
1: Two-thirds into the match where Savage takes a chair to the gut. Yeah,
2: he, he comes off the top for a double-axe handle to the outside and Tito hits him with a chair. And that was, to me, like the, the best spot of either match. And maybe maybe the one thing I could point to wrestling wise that maybe set the first one off just a little bit for me um but I, that was a really good point about the ref i didn't even notice that like there was this sloppy like replacement looking ref uh in the first one which probably had a lot to do with actually like why i liked the match better without me even noticing it i really noticed Harry- it
0: at the end when he took the bump and then like they were trying to get him up they like zoomed in, and his shirt, like I said, was totally stained. And I was just like, "Who? Did they pull this guy out of the crowd? Like, what is this?" <laughs> I love
4: They're that. Probably
1: about... refs.
2: What, what was that, Danny?
1: They were probably... probably still using staff, letter commission refs in MSG at the time.
2: Yeah, they probably were. I, I, that's the thing I really—I like, don't know. It's one of those things I like generally about like the '80s uh 80s brawls and what we'll see at like lucha brawls in the 80s and 90s as well like there's just this sort of like haphazardness around certain parts where like you'd never see something like that on you know your modern wwe or aew or something like that and there's there's something to be said for taking a little of the polish off of wrestling um to add some grit and and even if it's completely by accident (laughs)
1: Yeah, I agree. I I totally agree with that, especially in the third match we're gonna watch. Um, I I thought both of these brawls were great. But Bo- both both brawls between Randy and Tito were great. Um, both in the three and a half star range.
4: To
2: me. Yeah, I I probably give I probably give both something around the four star range I, I think i had the first one at like four and a quarter may, right. maybe pushing four and a half and then i saw the second one i was like ah, i don't feel like i can it doesn't feel like it really if it could just churn these out on on a whim um it doesn't feel like it deserves it which maybe is actually unfair but i, I so i probably i didn't knock them down too far so they're pro, both probably around the four star range for me
0: yeah, I'm um, in the exact same boat. Um <clears throat> like especially with the ending. The first time I see it with the uh the the roll-up pin into the reversal, grabs the tights, et cetera, I was like, Okay, that's that's cool, that's an interesting little finish there. Uh the heel gets away with one. And then to see only a few days later, him do exactly the same thing kind of like you said it kind of knocked it down but I still enjoyed them um so yeah I'm gonna go four stars as well
2: yeah I I think really quickly it's um it shows to me how like there are ways of doing great wrestling that don't translate to like star ratings and great wrestling lists and things like that where I think this is really admirable that they just churned this out in multiple venues. And I have to imagine it's not the only two um, that they had something like this. So that They could just sort of casually have this match together is incredibly impressive. And even though that doesn't maybe translate to my highest marks, it's great in a different way. Um, Cause there's lots of different ways that wrestling can be awesome. Uh, if that makes sense.
1: Right. Right. I agree with that sentiment there. Because not everything is great in terms of star rating thing, like squash matches or or the loop match.
0: By the let's way, let's go to- real quick. Who was on commentary in Madison Square Garden? Because it sounded like Don King.
1: Oh, we have no idea. It was just some random band. It was like it was like Gorilla Monsoon. Um, Girl Monsoon, Ward Alfred Hayes, and like some random fans.
0: Okay, yeah, it was. It, it sounded like Don King was like on commentary, and it almost gave it like, and because it was in Madison Square Garden, it almost gave it this boxing feel. <laughs> so that yeah,
4: might that's that that something about the as too.
1: That sort of
2: elevated that too. Yeah, I also noted that like even though the commentary like knew what they were talking about in the second match, like knew it was a no DQ match, where in the first match they seemed kind of confused by the whole thing. Um, I still preferred the first match commentary. Like again, probably just the whole package of rough around the edges New York wrestling was was probably what was making me enjoy that a little bit more. Yeah, definitely.
1: Let's go to awesome pirata Morgan versus el fararon here e m l o eleven sixteen nineteen ninety here um this was freaking awesome two out of three balls hair versus hair um this was freaking amazing <laughs>
0: So to get this out of the way, the translations are we're we're watching a pirate take on a pharaoh. (laughs) Yep.
2: Which is incredible.
1: Which is incredible. And, and like, Perata Morgan just freaking just comes straight out of the gates just Beats the living crap out of out of um, El Ferron, Ferron to to start off. Bust him wide open. And then the pacing and urgency was there the entire time. And I love this match.
2: Yeah, I really like that um, El Ferron looks like someone's dad who stumbled into the ring at the beginning. He's got his like His track jacket on and like he he doesn't really look prepared to fight as as pirata morgan is just beating him mercilessly um and then of course by the end of it he looks like a damn hero he's he's actually like really firing back and he's i think he's in his 40s by this point but he still is able to hang with um pirata morgan who you know as as I understand it, was really considered one of the best in the world around this time, at least the year before, was um, really highly regarded amongst not just your kind of tape traders, but your your melters and so on. So, um, you know, people really thought highly of, of Prada Morgan, but El is is hanging with him by the end of this after taking a, a pretty brutal beating in that first fall.
1: Yeah, that first fall was pretty brutal right there.
2: Uh I
0: the first thing I noticed was that uh Parada I was like, this guy is such an Uber heel. He's attacking this poor poor guy in a track suit at ringside. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized, oh no, that's his opponent.
1: Uh Yup. Yup, yup. And and you were just like Meeting the crowd, and um, he went to first fall with this diving splash, which was incredible. And then he keeps on the attack, but then Alpha. This just this match just had everything. (laughs) The all time blade job from Perata Morgan. Can we just talk about this all time blade job?
0: (laughs) Gushing buckets and buckets.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Perata Morgan always in these brawls was got the most out of his blade jobs and i think this is probably his best one you know in my book at least um you know to your point about this having like having a little bit of everything um i i heard this take forever ago on a forum and i i I apologize i can't remember who i heard this from but it was essentially that like this is the the lucha match for regardless of what kind of lucha you like right so it's got it's a lucha brawl at its core it's a it's a stakes lucha brawl at its core but it's also got some flying it's got a a decent amount of technical wrestling and grappling so it's got a little bit of like the kind of three ways that i think we often think about and talk about lucha or lucha styles that um really excel and i think they they do a great job with all of them they they've blend together seamlessly in a way that makes me think that the degree of difficulty here is actually kind of high and you don't notice all the different things they're doing when they're doing it because you're just watching a fight. You're just watching two people who hate each other, try to murder each other. Um, And that's what in some ways the best wrestling makes you think in the moment regardless.
0: This was honestly my first experience with any kind of real Lucha, like full-blown from Mexico. Um, And it was really fascinating to watch because I've always been under the impression that Lucha is nothing but high-flying, flippy stuff. Um, I've been getting a little bit of exposure to the submission side through Angelico in AEW. Um, And seeing this, I was just like, oh... I see now they're really good at submission work. Um, Like I'd never put it together in my head that the Mexican surfboard is Mexican. Um, But what I loved is seeing it applied correctly in this match. Um, (laughs) It was really, really well done. Uh, And just went to the, the submission skills of both of these guys.
2: I I'm, I'm a hundred percent, like lucha brawls are one of my favorite styles. Period. And and you know to the to the forum that we talked about earlier, the the greatest match ever project. My probably I think I think maybe my top five lucha matches are are sort of at their core lucha brawls. They might have some some grappling in them. Uh, I take that back. There's one grappling match in there. But the submission like lucha submissions are really fascinating to watch because they seem very distinct from the way submission wrestling works in um, sort of more traditional American wrestling or Japanese wrestling. But at the same time, they still look really painful. And um, I think if you can buy into the psychology of Lucha and kind of the, the logic of their movements, because I do think some people have a little bit of trouble with that. If you can buy into that um, and it took me a little bit of time, Lucha brawls and Lucha title matches I have so much to offer, and I think this is a really nice. I'm actually kind of glad this was your first sampling of that because it does offer a little bit of everything from what your your really top end late 80s to through the 90s lucha offers. And and I watch most of that stuff out of context and kind of cherry pick it myself. But this seems like a pretty good, pretty good first step down that path.
0: Yeah, and like one little detail. Uh, I'll point out is uh, that he went to um, Parada, went to do a pendulum spot later on, I think uh, it might've been very own, whatever. But uh, so whenever you see a guy in modern, like WWE wrestling do like a Mexican surfboard style move, they just kind of like either yell or like punch The guy and he they always offer their arms back. They just put their arms back. And it's like in a fight, you would never just offer your arms to the guy. So you'd be put in this intricate hold. But here he bent the guy's ankle and he was screaming out in pain and he reached back to like stop it. And that's how he got his arms. And it was just this tiny detail of like how you set up that move. But it was so much more realistic um that i really appreciated it
2: yeah i i I love that you pointed that out it's really the the devil is in the details with a lot of this stuff and um i think what you'll find if you get into it is that you'll see a lot of the two out of three falls matches will kind of follow this pattern and for some people you know that that can be really boring right they can be like well like why do the matches follow the same pattern but it's really in how they tell the story right it's you know in, in some ways wrestling. All wrestling follows very similar patterns. Um, and just the way Lucha kind of has done it historically can be um, a little difficult for some people. Again, and I, I'd say this not because anybody here has indicated that, but I've just seen it a bunch. People say they don't like Lucha for X, Y, Z reasons. But the they do. There is such a attention to detail and the fluidity at which the people, can, these wrestlers can get into some of these submission holds. To be perfectly blunt, looking like they do, El Ferion's case, right? Like forty-year-old guy, he doesn't doesn't look scary on face value, but man, once he starts moving, you see like this guy's this guy's an athlete. This guy's got something, um, and he t- he's a storyteller and a, and a really good luchador, a really good wrestler as well.
1: And the finish doesn't even hurt it. <laughs> the finish doesn't even hurt it at the end where. Obviously, it's a ruse on Perata Morgan as he's trying to punch the guys and the ref and the doctor ends the match. Um, this was freaking great overall. Overall, it 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 just speaks to what what attention to detail does in wrestling, and what what it had a little bit of everything, and really. Really, it really speaks to how transcendent Lucha can be when put in the right to conduct.
0: Yeah, actually, can you explain that ending? I was a little confused what happened. It, it, it looked like what one of the ring men kind of quit or threw in the towel.
1: Yeah, th- that's sort of what happened. One of, one of, one of Parata Morgan's guys screwed him over, and it was obviously a screwy finish. It was a screwdriver. finish, essentially. That's probably what it was. Um, I was a little confused by it. Um, Matt, can you
2: clarify it? Yeah, I, honestly, that's. I, I think I was sort of getting that there was like a there was a doctor, right? Like looking at him. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think I thought it was a doctor stoppage, but, Not just um, but, but again, you know, maybe, maybe I, maybe I wasn't just paying quite enough attention. I always, um, thought it was a doctor stoppage and then, um, and then, you know, d- didn't pay that much attention to it this time around. Cause this is the second time I'd, I'd seen this match. So I wasn't maybe, maybe looking for, for that detail at the end, thinking I knew what was going on, but. Uh, that was my my impression, but regardless, it it ends up being a stoppage, uh, and you know what I got. I think the the sort of takeaway for me was it was a stoppage because he was busted up, right? <laughs> um, well, and and you know I think that sold a lot of the the you know the actual
3: drama brutality the of
2: it,
1: and it sort of sold the drama after the match too. I watched a lot of the post match and. Corrado was uh, obviously arguing with everybody.
2: Yeah, I think he's arguing, I mean, again, I think he's arguing because he's arguing the doctor stoppage, right? And if you've ever seen, I don't know, any MMA fight, literally everybody argues the doctor stoppage. Um, so, no. I, I I think that's it. Again, if 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 I, now I kind of want to look it up. I was kind of just just scrolling through some reviews of it, and, and yeah, he
1: was I, punching El Faro as as the match got stopped.
0: Yeah, it looked like they were he was at least trying to continue the match. Yeah. Um, um I do I I did like how eventually he resigns himself to the outcome and they start cutting his hair and there's just so much blood and they're ch- like trying uh, to
1: that that's <laughs> such a great visual.
2: <laughs> uh yeah, so so really quickly, I did just kind of look up some reviews of the match, um, and it does look like the consensus is that it was, a, it was a doctor's stoppage because of just how much blood Parada was losing. So despite him sort of still fighting back, um, there's this idea that he was on the verge of, of losing way too much blood, and that's why they stopped the match.
1: Oh, I stopped this damn
2: match. Parada's losing so much freaking blood. <laughs> But, yeah, but, you know, I mean, again, it, to me, that's like also the sign of a great match is I didn't I didn't need to have a a real surefire grasp of what happened there to to think this was awesome. Um, you know, I, no, I, I think didn't I understood it. But I didn't, yeah, I didn't need it didn't need to be real cut and dry for me. Um, and that's also another thing I think we, you get a lot with a lot of Lucha Brawls is these kind of screwy finishes that are not super clear because unless you speak Spanish and I don't. So I oftentimes find myself kind of guessing at what what's happened at the end.
3: Or looking it up. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um. I I spoke, I know enough Spanish just from my high school classes to, to pick out words here and there, but it, it still didn't help. And either way, like you said, um, I thought uh, in the moment, like the second it happened, I was confused and I was like, oh, that's kind of after this great brawl, that's kind of anticlimactic. But then with the arguing and with the hair and everything, um, I, I ended up kind of liking it. Like, like you said, it, it didn't take away from the story of the match um, the way I I think it often does in WWE because they rely so heavily on the screwy finish. Um, it didn't take away from that that match at all.
2: Yeah, that that's kind of something I wonder if like in ten years, if the WWE is not doing screwy finishes so much, if watching some of those matches a little bit out of context will actually maybe they'll age well because we won't sort of be thinking about them um, as part of this larger problem within WWE. You know, like we're not we're not watching this as a as a larger problem, um, you know, within the, the promotion. We're watching this as a single match that we, you know, it's a stakes matches hair versus hair. So we know there's a feud. Uh, we know there's this build. And, and I've I've read a little bit about that in the past, not even recently. But, you know, watching something out of context can sometimes actually be beneficial for the match, I think.
0: I, I will say because there was stakes. um I was surprised there was a screwy finish. Like if I was Parada, I wouldn't want to lose my hair because some doctor at ringside
2: said so. Like <laughs> Yeah. Well, one one of the things that is a trope again, I'm I'm going off of like sort of reading people who know a lot more about Lucha than myself, is that in the stakes matches you get a little bit more of like the technico Getting one up on the Rudo via something kind of screwy because they're finally getting their comeuppance, and it's they don't stick as closely to the the Rudo technico dynamics that are traditional. Um, and so, so you it's pretty common to see um, kind of what we would think of as screwy finishes in these matches, and fans kind of expect in a lot of ways that this person who's been screwing someone over over and over and over again is finally going to get screwed over. And that's actually the payoff in some ways. So sometimes that actually does take me out of, of some matches. But as long as something like this is built around it that is really, really good, I don't tend to mind it that much.
0: With that context, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I actually kind of like that I ending mean. <laughs> now.
1: Yeah four, I rated it four and a half stars. This was my match of the week. Um, A little ahead of the uh, Jackie Sato, Tomi Ariyama match. Really, really good stuff.
2: Uh, I'll go ahead and give mine. Uh, so, I mean, again, just like last time uh, with the, the Sato-Tomi match, I'm going to give this four and three-fourths. Um. And I'm actually going to take the, the Joshi match by just a hair. And really, I think it comes down to lately I've been more into 80s Joshi than I have Lucha. Um, it's probably as much as anything a mood thing. So I think they're neck and neck. I think they're of equal quality, just below the, the absolute elite tier. But um, you know, as, as good as it gets otherwise – and uh I, I I think this is pretty top end
3: lucha stuff. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I'm gonna echo your sentiments. Uh four and a half and my match of the week, definitely. Um <clears throat> got to see a lot of different lucha styles, got to and especially after this conversation and kind of hearing a little bit of the context of how Lucha, you know, really works, uh, was, it was, yeah, it was definitely my favorite one of the week.
1: All right, for next time, um, I have to generate this, this, this stuff. So, I have to make a group, and then four matches for next week. Here we go. So we have from Evolve, our first match from Evolve. We have Chris Hero
4: versus Kuto Hikata from 3 13 2010. It's a good match. Ikada, hid, uh, hid,
1: hidaka. How do you say his name? H- Ikudo, hidaka, hidaka. Oh,
2: I don't hidaka. know. I'd have to, I'd have to be looking at it, and I still wouldn't know.
3: Three,
1: thirteen, ten. Then we have Roosh versus Negro Casas. Eight one two thousand and fourteen from CMLL. So we get to watch a little more Lucha here to Greg's delight. Um and we get to watch Negro casas which is awesome. Um CMLL um and that's from eight one. 2014, and then we have Kawada versus Shinya Hashimoto, 222,
2: 2004. I'm just writing this stuff down. There's going to be some hard hitting in that one. I'm gonna go out on a limb.
4: Oh no, crap. From All
1: Japan two twenty two, 2004. I think I would expect that from those two men. And then we have Ricky Steamboat versus Tully Blanchard. Jim Crockett Promotions 11-22-
4: 1984. That's an and interesting lineup. Yeah. Versus, yeah, it is an interesting lineup.
0: I was just about to say we're finally getting some more recent stuff in the 2000s, and then you slap an 84 on there.
4: <laughs> yeah. It's not me, man. It's the, it's the Generator.
1: It's the generator that does this. We got to watch some Kawada. We got to watch some Negro Casas. Who? It's a marvel. Whew. I can't wait to watch Negro Casas personally.
2: Casas is a gem. Um, timeless. He'll he'll be around forever. Um, He's yeah, still around. Yeah, I can't remember if I've, I. I I think I've seen that match. Um, I'll, I'll recognize it when I start watching it again. But yeah, I think I think I've seen that one. It's, you know, it's two great wrestlers. You know, it's, it's hard for hard for either one of those to have a bad match together.
3: I haven't heard Kawada versus but I've heard of Roosh. And then Kawada
1: versus Hashimoto. Oh, I know what that match will be. A lot of forearms, a lot of kicks, a lot of I may get into this tonight with out and Hashimoto. I just have a feeling about that match. Well, well, what? A lot the That's the two twenty two oh four one from All Japan. Okay, I don't think I, I don't think I've seen that match. It's going to be hard hitting. We all no, know yeah.
3: that.
2: Yeah. It's, 2004 Kawada versus Hashimoto's, I, you know, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out what's going to happen in that match. Doesn't take a rocket science, <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> and then Chris Hero versus Ikuto Hakata. Um,
2: have you seen that one? Uh yeah, I've seen that one. I saw that one a couple of years ago. Um, somebody sent me a link via the the project actually. Um, good match, you know this this that era Chris hero is great uh it's sort of unique, but you know i I'd like to see it again and get a refresher on that one, but it's but I remember it being being quite good, some intricate work,
1: yep, and Ricky team is totally blanchered. we saw in nineteen eighty four in there,
2: yeah, I don't think I Jim seen much uh or if I had, have it you was seen so that? long. I don't think I have.
1: Oh, so. so we're in for a treat next week, Greg, and possibly Matt, and possibly Beast Mike. What do you think, Greg?
0: Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm going to get to see Cassius Ono in his indie persona.
3: <laughs> yep.
4: Plugs.
2: Uh, go check out the forum. Um, it is—I always forget the actual address, so I'm really underprepared for just uh, half a second. Uh, it, it's a gweproject.freeforum.net, um, and then I'm on Twitter at markoutmountain. Greg,
0: I am on Twitter at PSU Optimus, like the Transformers character. Uh, but most of my work is over on YouTube. Uh I'm under the name Wrestling Optimist there, where I play around with wrestling action figures.
1: Yes. And do you still do your dynamite reviews?
0: I do. There should be one out probably Thursday night.
1: Awesome. And I am DJD Cooks on Twitter. Thank you all for listening to this great match generator, and we will